Hello, hello to all you Hellions. Welcome back to the Mortician's Daughter. I am your host, resident Mortician's Daughter, Carly Shorman. Very excited for this very special episode. In addition to our regular monthly meditations on the macabre, we're going to be doing something new. See, I thought it would be fun to speak with other people in the funeral industry about death care. Cool people doing cool things, you know. Like, even though I was raised in a funeral family, I didn't start working in the industry until about five years ago. I was surprised to learn just how much there is to learn. And it wasn't a big jump for me to start thinking about people I would love to introduce to my listeners so they can learn more about the individuals working in death care these days. So we have some very esteemed guests to kick things off, including Rachel Essig, who I'll be chatting with today, Executive Director at Riverview Cemetery, Portland's oldest public cemetery. And then in November, I'll be joined by trans rights activist, artist, and ordained minister, Elena Rose. That might be just after the episode on cursed objects. Maybe. I think. I guess we'll find out. I've been really into artifacts lately, broadly speaking. Artifacts. I don't know what to say about that, but I guess I'm going to try and work it out. Okay, anyway, I'm really grateful to be able to connect with some wonderful people working in the funeral industry. Lots of individuals are leading the charge towards change, like Rachel from Riverview. Riverview Cemetery is a stunning and serene place located just west of the Selwood Bridge in Portland. It was first established in 1882, and Riverview serves people of all faiths. They offer aquamation and natural burial. They even host a regular scatter day for people who wish to scatter a loved one's cremains on their picturesque grounds. I highly recommend you visit Riverview should you find yourself in the Portland area. And with no further ado, let's say hello to Rachel. Once again, thank you so much for joining us today. We're very excited to be able to talk to you. Um, Can we begin with having you introduce yourself and tell us what your role is here? Yeah, my name is Rachel Essig. I'm the executive director of Riverview Cemetery here in Portland, Oregon. It's a beautiful space you have here. How long has the cemetery been in place? The cemetery was established 140 years ago in 1882 by several Portland families. Uh, Back then, it was about 350 acres. Now we're 167 acres as we sold some of it to the Trust for Public Land several years ago. What brought you into the funeral industry? It started out as a project. I worked for Metro Regional Government, which is a a kind of a district government here in the Portland metropolitan area. They're conveners. There's 25 cities in the Portland metro area and three counties. And Metro is like a, a service district that oversees all of that to ensure seamless service to citizens. I worked in their Parks and Nature Department. Um, and a part of their Parks Department are 14 historic cemeteries. I was tasked with um, a project to uh, reduce the amount of records and go digital. And through my work um, doing that, um, there was the recession that happened in like two, 2007, 2008. 
uh, and the agency was reorganizing, and I was asked if I would start managing the cemeteries. So I kind of got thrown into it. Um, and it, they were very complex because they're very old, old cemeteries. But that's, that's how I made my entry into death care. Were there any surprises when you came into the industry or anything that stood out as, you know, I didn't know this was like this, perhaps? I think one of, one of the bigger um, things that was a surprise to me is uh, all cemeteries have soil issues. So they manufacture soil. So it's the soil that's displaced when the interment goes in. And so all cemeteries struggle with what to do with their soil. I did not know that. <laughs> that's um, it's kind of it's random. No, no, I, we're, we're all about the random. We, mm-hmm. um, within the cemetery, are there key features that, that you would like us to highlight? Well, here at Riverview, I think as you drove in, you saw a military section. That is Oregon's first uh, federal military cemetery. It was established before there was the federal military cemeteries, so before the VA. Uh, And that is a tribute to the Spanish-American War. Uh, The Oregon 2nd Militia uh, was asked by uh, the president at the time to uh, enter into the Spanish-American War because we were like the most organized militia in, in the United States at the time. Uh, And when uh, those folks came back, or as they passed after they came back, uh, there were some citizens here in Oregon that felt strongly that there needed to be a dedicated cemetery to them. And it's a cemetery within a cemetery. So that's kind of unique. Um, The other thing that would, I would say, sets us apart uh, is one, we're an arboretum. We have um, forested canyons. Um, streams. There's a lot of habitat monitoring that occurs here from the city of Portland and the state of Oregon. Uh, and the other thing is, is that we have been allowing green burial throughout the cemetery since 2009. Wow. Yeah, so we have a very strong rac- record of being environmentally friendly to our community. Um, and, and we had been talking a little bit earlier about um, some of the green greener options that you mm-hmm. do have available here. Mm-hmm. Um, would you like to perhaps reiterate uh, right. some of the uh, fe- some of the directions you're taking? Right. So not only do we allow green, or we also we call it natural burial throughout the cemetery. So let's say um, the husband doesn't like the idea of being, his interment being that way. He really wants to be in a vault. He can be in a vault, and his wife can be buried next to him. Um, and she's interested in green burial, we can do that. They can be side by side. So we don't really have very many restrictions on that. Um, we are currently in the middle of a very large inventory development project where we will be opening the meadow, which will be a dedicated natural burial only section in our cemetery. That should wrap up around October of this year. So we should be open by the end of the year for those sales. Uh, Another thing that we are doing is uh, alkaline hydrolysis, so aqua cremation. Uh, In Oregon, um, Riverview um, has more uh, alkaline hydrolysis um, uh, choices than many of the other funeral homes in the area. We decided to purchase our own machine. We will be offering that as a trade service to other funeral homes because right now there's not a machine in Oregon. We're all having to drive up to Kent, Washington for these cases. Um, But we'll also offer it to our own clients at our funeral home here. 
And again, that'll be towards the end of the year that we'll have that up and running. So we, we really um, value the environment, take it quite seriously. Um, and as a private nonprofit, we are happy to offer that as a trade service to um, the local funeral homes here and all of any profit that would be obtained from um, that service with the funeral homes goes right back into the nonprofit cemetery, which, as you've noticed, is a historic landmark. It's an arboretum. It's just a great place for a community to come and gather. Oh, wonderful, wonderful. And, and so this is a nonprofit space. Yes. Yeah. The um, the cemetery is a private nonprofit. It was just, like I said, it was established in 1882. It's always been like that. We're Portland's oldest endowment care nonprofit cemetery. Um, and very forward thinking people back in 1882 when they established this place, um, they've always been innovative. Um, and uh, the, the Portland families um, that have served as the board of trustees through the years um, have always looked uh, at the operations of, of Riverview in more of a sustainable way. Um, so they're always out-of-the-box thinkers trying to look at how to best provide for community and also keep this place special. Certainly doing a wonderful job of that. But, <laughs> um, that kind of leads me into uh, my next question in terms of where do you see the future of the funeral industry or where do you see... Cause there's been a lot of change in the past 30, 40 years. Mm -hmm. um, where do you see things going from here? Um, you know, so when, when I get this question about where I see um, the funeral industry had or, or death care in general, um, I always liken it um, back to midwifery and birth. Um, so, you know, I'm in my 50s, so I was born in the 60s. And when my mother gave birth to me, it was likely very sanitized in a hospital, um, you know, not as hands-on as we see today with parents being very involved or home births or using midwives, et cetera. Uh, that's what I'm seeing in death care. So we somehow in our society over the years um, are wonderful funeral directors, and they are truly wonderful, and we do need them, um, have uh, you know, come in, they sweep away your loved one, say that they're going to take care of everything, but what's lost is that closure for the family or that hands-on caring for their own dead. And so what we see more and more here at Riverview or what I see actually in Oregon uh, is a lot of DIY hands-on people. So they're, you know, they're planning a party. They're, um, the, maybe the daughters are coming in and helping to bathe mom and doing her hair and makeup the way mom wanted it. Um, and we were right there ready to assist them to facilitate that. Even if um, they wanted help at their home, um, we could come and do that as well. So I see that that's really the change in our industries. People are wanting that closure. They're wanting to be a little bit more hands-on. Certainly there are some um, cultures uh, that like it the other way, and I, that's perfectly fine. But I think for my profession, the more that we can be adaptable and uh, help serve all of our clients, um, the better. Uh, so if you have that conventional family that wants the metal casket and the vault and they don't want to deal with the preparation of the body or anything like that, that's fine. Um, and then the folks that really want that more hands-on experience, that's completely fine as well. Do you see any problems that the industry is facing? I do. Um, so I sit on the board of the Green Burial Council 
And what's pretty clear to me is it's basically we liken it back to cremation, right? You know, in my industry, um, back in the day, cremation was really talked poorly about, like only poor people choose cremation or, um, or that, it, you know, the family should feel ashamed about, oh, you have to choose cremation or you don't have enough money to, for the burial. Not saying that, you know, you know, funeral directors were saying that, but really those are the feelings that came out of it. I'm in Oregon, the cremation rate's 80%. And you got to get behind that. Um, and you got to think out of the box with cremation. And one reason why is um, that people have time. So they have their loved one cremated, and then they have time to decide what they're going to do. So you have to be prepared for that. The other thing that I see, and again, being on the Green Burial Council, is green burial. It's not a fad. It is here. It is, I think, there was a um, Kate Spoilston, which is an industry publication. They did a consumer survey, and it was something like 84% of respondents said that they were interested in green burial. 84%. The NFDA had a very, so that's the National Funeral Directors Association, they had a very similar survey, which was about 70% of the respondents were interested in green burial. And green burial is pretty easy to do. Like I said, here in Riverview, we mix it in with the conventional burial. It's not rocket science. It's something that humans have been doing before there was embalming or, or vaulted burial. So, And that was the Civil War. That's when we saw the change in all of that. But prior to that, those burials that happened before embalming was invented, those burials were green. I did not know that about the Civil War. That's fascinating. Yeah, that was the turning point. Interesting. Mm-hmm. Um, a- as a cemetery, and I, I feel this is something that you might be able to speak to, is the importance of final placement. We see, you know, 29 million Americans with cremains in their home. Mm-hmm. Uh, you can't go on TikTok without getting a wonderful scattering mm-hmm. experience. Right. Um, where do you where do you see the value in final placement? Yeah, I love to talk about this. Um, so. Uh, it's sad. There's all these urns on mantles or in closets or in garages, and sometimes they wind up in Goodwill because people don't know what to do. They can't. They think that they're going to scatter, and for whatever reason, they can't pull the trigger, and they need help. One thing that we've been doing at Riverview, and we do it every April, the Saturday around Earth Day, is we have Scatter Day, and we offer free scattering on our Stevens Creek Trail. Uh, so uh, we record their loved ones' names in our records. So we treat it just like every other interment. Um, but it's that day it's free. We handle about 16 families that day that want to do scattering, but it gives them an option. And what we find is those families are choosing perhaps, oh, I'm going to put you know, dad's name on the cenotaph wall. The cenotaph wall is a piece of stone um, that you can engrave a name on. So giving them those options. Some of those families that come to us take a look around and say, oh, I didn't know you could do that with cremated remains because we have a lot of different uh, cremation, memorialization products on our on our grounds that folks can choose from. So they might decide, you know what, scattering isn't for me. I'm going to go ahead and place, um, you know, grandma's urn uh, underneath that beautiful headstone. Um, I think people are just scared, like they don't know what to do with those cremated remains. And they, again, going back to feel maybe some shame about it. So 
giving them options. And with cremation, again, you can do so much. You can do something really simple as a scattering in the cemetery. And most cemeteries will record the loved one's name in their records. But we get families, too, that want something a little bit more elaborate where they make you know, they order their own private columbaria, and that becomes their own little family estate. Maybe 12 urns can go in it or something like that. But it gives that permanence. It gives those future generations a place to go visit their loved one. They can come and visit uh, grandpa. You know, they maybe remembered grandpa, you know, until they were 10 when he died. And without that permanent placement, maybe that person 30 years from the death really wants to go somewhere and reflect on on grandpa but i have to say you don't really have to do there doesn't need to be cremated remains or um, a casket burial in a cemetery you can go to a cemetery and ask uh, to have memorialization again like on a cenotaph wall or you can purchase an interment right and have a marker set for them um, so if you do have a favorite cemetery or place, that's certainly an option that people can do. That's actually pretty common. And just briefly for, for folks listening, do you mind explaining interment options? So um, cemeteries are, are basically um, meant for the disposal of human dead. Um, and so we talked about cremation and then um, the full body burial, casket burial. Um, so with cremation, you know, that's the reduction of the human body, either by flame or um, by water. Um, and then in both instances, the um, bone minerals are reduced down by a machine or processed, and that's where you get the ash or the powder. Um, with a full body uh, decedent being um, buried, um, there's in-ground and above-ground. So in-ground here at Riverview could be in a casket and in a vault, or it could be shrouded burial, so the decedent's wrapped in a shroud, or they can be placed in a biodegradable casket made out of like seagrass or bamboo or pine or something like that. Um, then the other option, and we're sitting in our mausoleum right now, we have two mausoleums on site. So this is another very common option in cemeteries, and that's above ground. So that's above ground placement. Uh, generally, decedents in above ground um, mausoleums uh, need to be embalmed, um, and uh, they're in a casket, and they are entombed uh, in the walls of the mausoleum. Same is true though for cremation. So cremation can, you can scatter, you can bury, or you can place above ground in what are called niches. And some niches are indoor and some of them are outdoor. And all of those are interment rites. So were there any truly memorable funeral experiences you've had in your role here? Huh. I mean, I've had, there's so many. Um, you know, we, we at Riverview, we serve the Chinese community at a very high rate, and those are always very memorable for me because there's so much of their culture and their religious traditions that they put into it um, that are pretty incredible. Um, the As well as uh, we serve quite a bit of the Ethiopian community here, and again, very um, methodical, traditional um and uh, 
we also serve the Jewish community. Um, so all of those communities do things a little bit different, like our Jewish community, that's green burial only. Um, our Chinese community and the Ethiopian community are more traditional conventional burial. Um, but I think that's what is, drives me as a professional um, in this industry is just having the opportunity and the honor to witness some of these cultures and traditions and help them whatever way it is for that family to say goodbye to help them. Any spooky stories? Not really. I don't. <laughs> I mean, yeah, I don't. Uh, yeah, it's don't not. Subscribe to yeah, <laughs> not really. I have. I mean, I've been doing this since 2007 and have very, very few stories, if any. <laughs> I understand. Yeah. <laughs> you know, it seems like you serve a very wide demographic here, and you're knowledgeable and prepared to deal with different cultures, different religious faiths, um, are there reserved spaces? I know with Jewish burial, oftentimes it's a... Yeah, so um, we have the Jewish cemetery at Riverview, and it's um, it's a distinct section, um, and it's three different congregations, and that's their, that's their special um, designated section. And then the rest of the cemetery is really um, quite secular and open to everyone. And does the cemetery, I know you had mentioned Scatter Day, are there other events that happen throughout the year that bring people into the cemetery where they can? Mm -hmm. Yeah, that's fair. Um, you know, besides Memorial Day, which we always say is like Black Friday of cemeteries, <laughs> um, uh, we traditionally in December is our month that we do a lot of programming um, for the community. Uh, we participate in Wreaths Across America, and that's where people uh, can sponsor a wreath for a veteran's grave. We uh, work with the Young, Young Men's Service League of Lake Oswego. Um, they help place these wreaths, and we do a ceremony. And then uh, the Daughters of the American Revolution Multnomah Chapter here in Oregon, they're the folks that really get those wreaths sponsored for our veterans that are interred here. Uh, and that's usually typically like the second weekend in December. Um, and then uh, we are one of the few locations in the world that has an angel of hope. So uh, there's a book called uh, Christmas Box, and it's a story of, um, of a, a deceased daughter. And um, there's an artist that was very much inspired by this story, and uh, he... Um, has created a statue, an Angel of Hope statue, and it's a girl. Um, so we have an Angel of Hope here at Riverview, and every year uh, we do a memorial service for children that have died, um, and then it's in honor of that story and that statue. Um, and it's not just to our families that have lost a child, um, but open to other families in the Portland metro area that have lost a child. And it's very specific to parents that are mourning the loss of their child. Um, and then we have our um, holiday service that we do every December, and that's open to the whole general public and our client families. Uh, and 
Uh, one other thing that we do for the community in December is, again, I've mentioned we're an arboretum, but we'll have um, evergreens out on our grounds for people to come and uh, take a few to go home and make a wreath or what have you to decorate their homes. Uh, so those are some pretty traditional things that we're doing here at Riverview, along with Scatter Day, um, which we've just completed our third year in April of that event. I love that. I have to mm-hmm. say that's a that's an innovative approach. Um, so as I know as a as a woman in the industry, when I first came into the funeral industry, it seemed like um, it seemed like there was a predominant presence of, you know, men running cemeteries, men as cemeterians. Mm-hmm. Um, have you have you seen that? Have you seen it change? Because it it, mm-hmm. it feels to me like there has been. Yeah, there's been, in my career since 2007, I've seen a big change. Um, I've experienced the same thing. Um, I remember early on being a bit frustrated or feeling like I didn't have a voice. Um, But more and more I'm seeing women particularly come into leadership roles, um, which is great. Um, The Mount Hood Community College that's um, here in Gresham, they have the mortuary science program, and I think that last I heard is they're having graduating classes of like 90% females. So we're seeing a huge um, turn in our industry. And one thing that is, I think, contributing to that is, you know, mortuaries used to be handed down through families, and we're seeing less and less of that. So we're um, seeing... An, And if anyone's interested in becoming a funeral director, please look into it because there are not enough funeral directors out there. We need more funeral directors. Um, So now we have these family mortuaries that are adding staff to um, their payroll that are not related to them um, just simply because there's a sheer need for it. Um, Or these family mortuaries are getting bought out by corporations. Um, So it is a profession that is open to all. I highly encourage people, if you're curious, look into it. Give me a call. Call me here at Riverview. I'll talk to you about it. Um, but it's a it's a highly rewarding profession um, for just about anyone. But, yeah, I'm seeing a huge turn. And I know for us, um, one of the goals of this show is to help normalize conversations about death and dying. Uh, you had touched upon this with... Uh, the the midwifery example mm-hmm. where people have been so removed from it for so long that we're trying to see that we're seeing more people sort of coming to the care process of death mm-hmm. care. My question is, um, do you feel it's important for families to be having these conversations? Maybe what those conversations should look like or um, what's important for families to discuss before they're looking for end of life needs? I think it's incredibly important. So in our industry, um, people hear, hear terms of pre-need or pre-arrangement, and then they'll hear the term at need. So when you're making arrangements with families, the, the best case scenario as a professional is meeting with a family that the decedent had already pre-arranged because we know exactly what they want to do. And they were upfront and proactive about it. The ones that are more painful for everyone involved are people that did not prearrange. And so 
uh, as a professional, you're sitting with the family and watching them second guess themselves constantly. Is, am I doing the right thing? Is this what mom wanted? I don't know. Did mom like this? I, and then, you know, you've got siblings that are debating, you know, color of clothing or what have you. Um, so I think it's an incredibly important conversation to have, even just have the conversation. You don't have to buy something. But I have to say that uh, paying for your prearrangement also relieves the burden of your family. So they're not scrambling to scrape together the funds um, uh, for um, your final goodbye. Um, so I'm a huge proponent about talking about it. Um, and making a plan. Um, and even, you know, um, you know, I mentioned my age earlier, my mom's in her 80s, I sat her down, and she hasn't prearranged, but at least I know what she wants. We had the conversation, I took really good notes. I shared it with my brother, and at least, at least we know what she wants. And that's the most important thing. So when her time go comes, and hopefully it won't be for a long time, but we'll, we'll know what to do. As a funeral family, we've also had those conversations, and, and we certainly encourage other people to have them as well. Um, death care has become uh, sort of, it became sort of a taboo topic, and now mm -hmm. we're seeing younger generations willing to have those conversations, mm -hmm. which I, I certainly am excited Yeah, one thing I've noticed, too, and I, I give a couple of presentations about this, is we're seeing more and more millennials and Gen Z um, in our arrangement rooms when people are making arrangements. So if you think about it, the boomers, um, the boomers have millennial and Gen Z kids, and uh, the the baby boomer wave, if you will, um, you know, they're a huge population that um, are entering into old older age, and so we're seeing younger people come in. Uh, the surveys I discussed earlier, they have some demographics on age. And what was interesting to me is that the millennials and the Gen Z responded higher about green burial than any other age group. And those two generations combined outnumber baby boomers and Gen Xers. And I think a lot of people don't realize that. So these younger generations that folks like to complain about, um, they're the ones that are going to, they're the ones that will eventually be taking charge of our country and, uh, and really uh, driving our consumer habits. So, um, uh, you know, where I'm going with this is they are a demographic we need to pay attention to. They're normalizing a lot of things for us culturally. This mausoleum is incredible. And I can mm -hmm. see, um, you know, the, the different spaces, the way that the marble lines run together right. in the mausoleum yeah. is amazing. So each floor, if, and if you guys are here um, a little bit longer today, that's fine. Walk around. But each level and each... Um, corridor are different colors of marble. We even have pink, like Pepto pink. Um, so feel free to, to walk around and, and check it out. Um, the mausoleum was uh, uh, built in the 40s. And then the chapel that you saw and the stained glass that you see around, the chapel was designed by a very famous architect named Pietro Belushki. Uh, he um, designed the Symphonic Hall in Baltimore and in San Francisco, some cathedrals around the United States, the Portland Art Museum here in Portland, Lewis and Clark College. Um, so it's very, very mid-century 40s 
vibe in there. And then the stained glass was commissioned by um, the Adams family, who have served as trustees since the beginning of Riverview. And um, that stained glass is by a famous artisan with, by the last name of Connick. That's a lovely space. And Thanks. Uh, we're excited to check out a little bit more of it. Thank you so much, Rachel, for taking time out of your day to chat with us. I encourage all of our listeners who enjoy a good cemetery stroll to head down to Riverview when in Portland. And of course, for our listeners in Oregon, Riverview Cemetery offers beautiful historic grounds with a modern take on compassionate and inclusive death care. We have to remember the future is now. With that, I'll bid you farewell. I'll be back next time with our regular spookiness cursed objects, haunted mansions, the deadly dangers of bad handwriting. Who knows? One way to find out is to tune in, so hit that subscribe button. And of course, I'm very excited for more interviews we have coming up, including the fabulous trans right activist, artist, and ordained minister, Elena Rose, to discuss inclusive grief work, amongst other things. Until next time, I hope you find comfort in these colder months and take time to consider the personal implications of the weather metaphor happening all around you this season. Mm -hmm.